Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Ravenhill Roundup. My name is Lewis, back for my holidays, to be joined by my co-host Jamie Kelly. Jamie, how are you? I'm very good, that's why I'm uh, obviously not as good as it could be with the results this week, but uh, you know, still, still good. Rough one. In this week's episode we will be discussing that top of the table clash, Ulster versus Leinster, first defeat of the season and a rare defeat at home. We'll also be going through some of the news this week around Ulster Rugby. We'll be looking back at some of the other fixtures in the URC this weekend before looking ahead to what is a crucial clash on Saturday against the Ospreys. If you want to get in touch, please do on Instagram at Ravenhill underscore Roundup. We're also on SoundCloud. You can look us up at Ravenhill Roundup. Feel free to get in touch with us, leave us a DM on Instagram or a comment under our SoundCloud. We'll be happy to answer any of your questions and we'll also be inviting guests uh, to get involved with the show. So if that's something you'd be interested in, please get in touch with the page as well. And we are planning on getting this podcast onto YouTube and onto Spotify. So it is something we're working on and we hope to have in place in the near future. And thank you to anyone who's listened so far and anyone who's going to listen to this episode. So, with that in mind, let's get stuck right into it. Ulster 13, Leinster 20. Jimmy, what did you think of the game? I mean, the way that I sort of seen it is we've went in this game on a high. We've got maximum points from previous games and then they go into this. And in my opinion, it was sloppy. Sloppy in possession. Uh, the only sort of way that I can see that being explained is the weather, the sudden change, and how heavy the rain was that day. And they might have just not been aware, but at the same time, I'm of the opinion that at that level, you shouldn't be juggling the ball about. You know, that's something that you see under 13s doing, and I constantly seen it whenever. Ulster were in possession or going yeah. for an attack. There were a lot of handling errors in the second 20 minutes of the first half, wasn't there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm not even sure who it was because there's that many of them in the the possessions and the attacking phases that it just kept. I just kept seeing the ball just in one hand, the another, and uh, not from a pass, obviously, just them trying to control or the ball slipping out from them. Um, Ulster being bad on the day, it doesn't take away from the fact that I have to say Leinster's defence was solid. I mean, they weren't letting basically anything through. They were just constantly going in and being physical, which I think Ulster were lacking quite a bit. They just seemed, they didn't seem to commit fully, and they, they struggled to get up the pitch. The only Real, I know that I've said the only reason for the weather and that, but I think maybe the occasion's gotten to them. Maybe they've realised how big of a game it is early on, and it's gotten to their heads where it hasn't with the Leinster players. Yeah, for for me, I actually thought the first five minutes they made a really good start. Um, their rocking and kicking in the first five was solid. They were putting Leinster under pressure. Uh, the kick chase was really good, and Leinster were struggling to deal with that. But after that first five minutes, and Leinster got their first score, and Ulster just fell apart really from there. Um, 
they weren't completely awful. They definitely weren't clinical with the ball. Like you say, a lot of a lot of handling errors, and um, I think that that really cost them in the first half because to go in seventeen points to three down at half time against a team as good as Leinster with that many proven internationals on the pitch, it's always going to be a really hard comeback for any team. Definitely. Um, do you think that I know that you're saying Leinster have all the internationals what I was maybe thinking was it's because of the internationals that Ulster had that swing about and weren't necessarily playing so good because whenever you think the Ireland team has only been back a week and a half or so two weeks kind of thing so you're only having basically a full week of training with them it's not enough whenever you have new coaches and sort of a wee bit of a shake up in Ulster yeah well I think there's a lot of pressure on them as well you look at specifically that that centre pairing Luke Marshall and Stuart McCluskey up against Gary Ringrose and Robbie Henshaw McCluskey in particular trying to put his name forward for the November internationals for Ireland we've, we've heard this week that Bundy Key has got a, an 8 week ban uh, after his red card for Connacht so McCluskey maybe putting himself under a lot of pressure to outperform his opposite number in Robbie Henshaw who in my in my eyes actually played extremely well however McCluskey wasn't bad at all I thought he was one of the one of the better performers for Ulster over the game to be honest I thought the Leinster defense was nearly impossible to break down in that first half and um, Ulster didn't make it easy for themselves with those those errors those uh, constant drop balls However, Leinster just defended that well. It was always going to be really difficult for, for Ulster to put to um, break them down. Uh, what did you think of the first try by Leinster, Jamie? To me, the first try, it is, it's one of those tries that is just going to happen in the game, but whenever you look at it and break it down, there was too many gaps in Ulster's defence the whole lead-up, and especially on that last uh, bit, you've seen it. The ruck happens and you have all these bodies on the right side of it and in some cases you had two on ones and all and then you ended up having I think it was four or five Leinster players against three Ulster and that's always going to lead to a try. They're just going to pass it out and make sure that it gets the, the man who's not marked. There's just no awareness of their surroundings in it and they ended up just getting outnumbered and an easy try for Ulster. Yeah, I thought I actually thought the initial tackling w was pretty good. They put Ulster put in some pretty strong hits on the Leinster players right on the line. However, in the end, they just got a bit narrow and Baird, as a good six is, was was right on the on the wing waiting for to run in and touch it down. And uh, Baird's obviously putting his hand up for Ireland selection as well, trying to get in for that November internationals. And also for the World Cup, so I thought he put in a really good performance for Leinster. Yeah, I mean, I'm not uh, not taken away from Leinster at all, and uh, whenever it came to the second try, that was all Leinster. Uh, good working, and uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, uh, we've seen we've seen how well Dan Sheenan played last week. He scored a good few tries for Leinster last week, and another one for him this week. The driving mole was something that wasn't just as strong for Ulster this week it's been something that has been a big advantage for them over teams in, in the last couple of seasons 
However, up against this huge Leinster pack, they did struggle. And Dan Sheenan off the back of it, he was going to be very hard to stop from that distance. Yeah, uh, what I sort of took from it was similar. Ulster's normally very strong and physical, especially whenever it comes to sort of set pieces, malls, and things like that. But there just wasn't enough people in it whenever you take in the account Linster's physicality and their ability to push with their forwards I think that they just left themselves open to just be driven back and driven back without any consequence. And we, we saw it throughout the game actually, especially in the scrums the amount of scrum penalties Ulster give away, especially on their own scrums not just the penalties, of course just losing their ball on their own scrums was really poor and something that the forwards coach and Dan McFarland will be really disappointed with. The two props for me just just had a really really tough game. They were up against Andrew Porter, um, and and it was it was Tom O'Toole I think up against him, and I thought he really struggled. I think Andrew Warwick struggled really badly on the other side as well, and I actually think when Ulster brought on Marty Murr later in the game, he really steadied up those scrums. I don't quite understand why he didn't start. He's he's been ahead of Tom O'Toole for the last couple of seasons ever since he joined Ulster really and um, I think leaving him on the bench was was maybe quite a poor decision we don't, maybe he had a wee niggle or something he, he wasn't 100% fit but I thought he played really well when he came on and, and he did make a big difference I also think Stockdale's injury was a huge blow for Ulster we saw about half an hour into the game he made that great clearance kick from Ulster's half and he just seemed to limp badly on that ankle and I actually thought he had ran it off but he didn't come back out for the second half so to lose a winger who in my opinion has started the season really well um, despite not scoring yet I think he has had a good few performances against Connett and the Scarlets I think that was a huge blow to Ulster and hopefully his injury isn't too serious definitely I mean I noticed whenever he went off momentum sort of shifted away from Ulster quite a bit and they ended up having to rely on moments and that's exactly what happened for the rest of the match obviously not moments enough to get the win or to really get anything really from the game that's meaningful the only thing that happened after particularly good in Ulster's side uh, was their try which it was good play really it was something that you would expect to happen yeah that's, um, some, that's something we've saw so many times for Ulster that driving mall and it didn't work in the first half it did this time uh, John Andrew off the back of it doesn't seem to matter if it's Rob Herring if it's Tom Stewart if it's John Andrew the mall's so strong they all seem to be able to get over and the timing of, of breaking off that mall and diving has been a big advantage for Ulster this time he didn't need to, he stayed at the back, stayed attached, and they got over for what was a good try. Now, a bit of a controversial one. Uh, we saw Aaron Sexton's try disallowed in the second half, which was obviously a big disappointment for the fans at the Kingspan, who thought Ulster were right back in the game. You don't think it should have been disallowed? What's your opinions, Jimmy? No, I don't. I don't think it should have been disallowed, because the way I see it is... The referee even said 
it's knocked on by a blue hand, which is Leinster. So it's knocked on, and in regular play, you would then see it is advantage. I think that the only reason why he's been, oh, it's a penalty and sent away back, is because it would have led to the try, and the try would have completely changed the game. In my opinion, I think that whenever it's knocked on, you give the advantage, and he's it would have went down if it wasn't knocked on I think that's the way that the ref should have played it he would have had the control he would have been able to just set it down but then it got knocked on obviously spilt uh, that's my opinion <laughs> I have to disagree I'm afraid um, for me it, it's quite poor from Aaron Sexton listen there's no point slating him he's a young player second ever start competitive start for Ulster it may as well be his first he only got a few minutes against the Scarlets before going off injured but you've when you're a winger it's one of the things you learn so early in school you gotta carry the ball in the opposite hand so it can't be knocked out of your hand and by carrying it in that hand close to the Leinster player it was always running the risk it, it's not something that usually happens but you always run the risk of getting knocked out of your hand and the referee's always going to look at two things in that type of situation. The first one is, was there downward pressure on the ball? And I think there was downward pressure. And the second one, and the one that went against Ulster, was was he in control of the ball? And you can see from most angles he wasn't. It slipped out of his hands and it was grounded with his elbow. So, for me, definitely not a try. Um, and I think it's something that Aaron Sexton will learn from and probably a mistake he won't make again well agree to disagree uh, I'll respect your opinion but I I believe that it should always go Ulster's way <laughs> I think another one of the areas that Ulster were lacking was, was possibly their bench I mean when you take a look at Leinster subs bench we saw the James Ryan the Irish international vice-captain, the Johnny Sexton, Ireland's captain, of course, and to have that type of quality to come on and finish off a game for me, it's it's something that's very, very hard to come up against. And I actually thought that Ulster's bench probably put in a better impact than Leinster's bench, despite these big players coming on. However, when you see them big names coming on, Ulster not just as strong of a bench. We saw Ben Moxham, a young player, coming on to replace Jacob Stockdale. Angus Curtis on for, for Luke Marshall. Hasn't had a lot of game time because of injury. Dave Shanahan for John Cooney laid on. You know, these big substitutions for Leinster can be what can make the difference in the big games. I know we've already touched on one referee decision, but uh, in general, what were you thinking about the ref in the game? I know that uh, from what I could see or what I could hear from the TV a lot of the fans weren't impressed by him yeah well Ulster have had Andrew Brace at home a number of times and I think the fans uh, certainly know who he is by now for me there were just a few times Leinster were, were straight over the ball and he was very very quick to give the penalty to Leinster it was a split second really that a lot of the, the back rowers and the forwards were over the ball and he was straight away blowing it up. But what Ulster need to realise is that Andrew Brace is a referee who gave away an average of 23 penalties 
last season, which is very high when you think that Ulster give away 11 in this game. So I think Ulster need to learn to adapt to a referee like that and say, we need to be the ones making sure that we aren't giving away silly penalties, that we aren't giving Leinster the opportunity to get over the ball for a split second because this referee is quite whistle-happy and he's one that's that's going to blow you up for just about anything. So despite a disappointing defeat at home, obviously it's very rare we see Ulster lose at home, which is what makes it even more disappointing. They did get a losing bonus point out of the game, Jimmy. At least something uh, to work on. Yeah, it's a positive uh, to sort of go off of. But you did also have Dan McFarlane coming out and saying... Ulster were lucky to get it, so I don't know if you can bring that into play. Personally, I do sort of agree with what he was saying, but you do have the drive that came back to Ulster in the second half, and it shows that they do have that every inch mentality, and that they're going to work for the team, and they're not just going to lie down and take it. Uh, Yes, they're lucky to get the point, but I think the standard of the squad, you know, that it's something they're not going to take lightly, and they're not going to let happen again. And of course they have the chance to get one back at Leinster in the away game. Bit of news surrounding Ulster, we have a few players uh, already announced in the Ireland squad. Uh, Lewis, you have a wee take on it, what do you think? Yeah, six players in the squad for uh, Ireland's second emerging game. And um, we have Ethan McElroy, the two new halfbacks for Ulster, Michael McDonald and Jake Flannery. And in the forwards, Callum Reid and Cormac Iswachuku, all starting with David McCann, who played the last game as well on the bench. To be honest, I think it's great for Ulster. I'm not a big fan of the tour, as I mentioned in a previous podcast. However, to have six young players getting that international experience, even if it's not at the top level, I think it's really good experience for them, especially when they come back to Ulster and they're able to put that experience onto the pitch and hopefully put in even bigger performances for Ulster when they're back. It's great to see that many uh, Ulster players going in the, the Emerging Ireland squad, especially whenever you think of how good Irish rugby is especially at the minute and the youth that's coming up and developing to then have you know a third of your team being just for Ulster I think it's amazing for the club and for the community surrounding it it gives a big boost to see what they can do in both a green shirt and a red shirt in my opinion and talking about Ireland squads one player that's definitely not going to be involved is John Cooney a few reports coming out of the media this week that he may be changing his allegiance and playing for Scotland in the future Jamie what did you make of that one yeah uh, so I've had a couple of reports saying John Cooney switching he's going to Scotland to play through some sort of loophole uh, that there is that he's able to change um, the only real information that I've seen that it's going off apart from the fact that he doesn't get picked by Ireland and isn't really 
not that he's not liked. I don't think that he sits the playing style of the coaches or what they want to do. But you did have Belfast Telegraph reporting whenever he was asked his favourite ground to play on uh, in the Q&A after the game this weekend. He said that his favourite ground was Murrayfield, the Scotland National Stadium. I don't really see it as a surprise. He hasn't necessarily got in. Maybe the fact that he is changing sort of catches you off guard, but it's something that can happen, may happen in the future. One thing I will say is that just because he's changing his allegiance or thinking about changing his allegiance to Scotland, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be leaving Ulster. We see that Scotland are a team that are happy enough to pick players who are playing outside of Scotland. For example, Finn Russell, who's currently play, playing for French team Racing. He's still getting picked. Stuart Hogg, the fullback, playing for Exeter in the Premiership, still getting picked for Scotland. So there is still the chance of Cooney staying with Ulster as what would be called an NIQ player, yet playing for Scotland. So I guess it's just a waiting game on that one. And to be honest, I completely back him on this. He is an international quality scrum half. Tommy Bo said for the BBC this week that he thinks he's the best scrum half in Ireland. I certainly agree with that. And I certainly think he deserves a lot more international caps than he has. He's 32 now. You know, he's not getting any younger. If Scotland's going to give him that opportunity to play on the top stage of international rugby I think we should absolutely go for it and our last bit of news it comes from a question from one of you guys the followers Alex uh, she says what's the situation with Jacob Stockdale after his injury that we seen against Leinster this weekend um, if you don't know we already sort of touched on it Jacob Stockdale went off during the game, uh, limping a bit, sort of seems to be an ankle injury. Um, we have got a bit of an update, Lewis. Yeah, so Ulster released an injury update yesterday and that confirmed that Stockdale sustained a right ankle injury during the match against Leinster. This, of course, unrelated to the injury that kept him out last season as that was his left ankle. So I suppose if there is any positives to come out of that, it's that it's not a reoccurrence of his injury from last season. He will have an MRI scan today to assess it further. However, many reports coming out that he is a doubt for the November internationals. And that's going to be a huge, huge blow for him. Especially after putting in some really solid performances the first few games of the season. To then go out again injured. It's going to be really tough. Um, however I'm sure he'll come back from that stronger than ever and hopefully it's nothing too serious the MRI scan will show the only other thing in Ulster's injury update was that Rob Herring suffered a concussion during the game against Leinster and he's going to be following the return to play protocols so hopefully we'll see him back in an Ulster jersey as soon as possible as he's another huge member of the team just the follow up on the Stockdale I am hoping that it isn't too serious that everything comes back clean because if they're in doubt for him to be in the November games for Ireland he has the potential to miss 
uh, some pretty big games for Ulster uh, via the South African sides that we end up playing in October uh, as well as Munster just before the break um, it could be a massive miss especially considering he's already been out for a year and we've missed him that whole time uh, it's sort of setting them back a wee bit yeah of course some massive games there and I think as well it's a huge blow for his World Cup chances there's so many wingers in Ireland performing so well at the moment um, throughout the four provinces so for me it's going to take some really big performances especially when he's not playing in those November internationals to get himself back into that Ireland setup, and I suppose the hope will be that he's fit enough to make it for the Six Nations because that's where he'll be able to find his way back into that Ireland setup and, of course, put his hand up for World Cup selection next year. And getting into the rest of the games from this week, we first off had Bulls versus Connacht. Uh, what was your opinion on that, Lewis? Uh, yeah, I thought it was it was a pretty easy win for the Bulls. Um, you know, they scored two tries in under four minutes in the first half, and I think that just shows what a lack of confidence that Connacht have at the minute. And it's tough, especially when you've lost your first two games, to then have to go away to South Africa. You've lost one of your key men in Bundy Aki, and you know their lack of confidence showed. They were twenty-one nil down at half time. Um, and then, of course, the Bulls, five minutes into the second half, score again. And that just kills the game for Connacht. You know, if you're going down by that many points at half time, you need to be first to score in the second half to try and get yourself back into the game. And Connacht were not, unfortunately. And when the Bulls scored straight away, that killed the game. The Connacht tries, they did get two back, but they did come during the Bulls' yellow card. So... For me, overall, it was it was a really disappointing result for Connacht, who still sit bottom of the table. Getting risky for Connacht. They haven't had a good start. They haven't been working well as a team. And your third game of the season, and you really already see them shaky. And don't see them doing much this year, in my opinion. Um, but, as you said domination by the Bulls uh, which is what you expect from a South African team and that game finished 28-14 to the Bulls, a bonus point victory at home for them Jimmy now looking ahead to Munster at home against Zebra that game finished um, 21-5, what were your thoughts on that one? It was it was a decent game it, it got quite boring uh Monster, the me, the physical play was strong and that's what carried them. Uh, the malls from the start, it allowed them to get in control of the game and they got two tries from their malls. They were able to break through and just dominate with their forwards um, and just completely walk over Zebra. I've probably some of the best forward play at least in that first half um, that I've seen this season for Munster I do think however Zebra were lucky for even just their try I think at the Munster team they played 
they played decent. I, I wouldn't say that they played well. I think that it was a decent game. I think that Zebrae just weren't on their level the day. Um, the only reason they got their try was because Monster switched off and both teams had mistakes in the game and there was a fair amount of spillages and it was just them moments from Monsters forwards that made the difference in my opinion. For me the most disappointing thing about that game for Monster was they didn't get the bonus point and you know when they had such a poor start to the season a game against Zebra at home is a game where you'd expect to pick up maximum points and to be 21-0 up at half time and not go on and get that fourth try, get the bonus point, I think the coaches will be absolutely furious with that. Yeah, uh, the game finished 21-5 and I think that it, it's, it must be upsetting for them to not get that fourth but I do think it was a just result, uh, it's what sort of was deserving in the game. Uh, next game that we have up is Lions versus Cardiff. Gently give a wee bit of thought on them. Yeah, so that one finished Cardiff 18, the Lions 31, and a bonus point victory away from home for the Lions. I think that is absolutely huge for them to travel to Cardiff and be able to get a bonus point. And Cardiff, of course, picking up nothing, which is something they'll be disappointed about. Uh, I thought Cardiff played pretty well in the first half. However, the penalty try right at the end, right on half time, and the yellow card for Tolupe Falatau, I think that is really what killed them and got the Lions right back into the game after a good start. And for me, Cardiff will be hoping to do a bit better with some of the players they've got in. Obviously, Tolupe Falatau there, um, Josh Adams as well. Some really, some really good players Cardiff have, and they'll be disappointed with any form of home defeat this season. So moving on to the Bennett and Scarlets game, finished Bennett and thirty four, the Scarlets twenty three. Um, no points for the Scarlets again. What were your thoughts on that one, Jimmy? I mean, I think it's uh, you could probably say it wasn't Bennett versus Scarlets. I think that you could probably just say it was a. Uh, an exhibition of penalties I honestly lost track of how many there were but whenever you do go into the game uh, the only reason I can really see Scarlet's actually losing that game was because of their lack of discipline the amount of penalties they were given away over such stupid incidences sort of reaching in for balls whenever they're in a dead rock and the refs already said right it's Bennett's ball and you just keep diving in or holding on to the ball and just really silly silly things and the penalties ended up either leading the points conversions or in a couple of cases tries for Bennett um, the tries that did happen though I must say they were well taken although they were few um, I think that I think Bennett and were unlucky that they didn't get their bonus point that they wanted. Um, it would have helped them in the table, uh, sort of get up the stand in a wee bit and hold their position. I do, however, think, even though they were unlucky, I do think Scarlet's 
would have won the game if there were more discipline and didn't give away so many penalties. Uh, it just completely slowed down their play and didn't let them push up the pitch or get in the good defending positions to try and take the ball back. Yeah, I thought Benetton were, were always on top, to be fair, and I think they were far more urgent. They showed a lot more initiative in the game. And for me, I was extremely impressed with Rhino Smith. I thought he controlled the game really well, some really nice kicking and a beautiful offload for the last try. And the fact it took 63 minutes before the Scarlets scored their first try, I think that's just testament to the Benetton defence and how they were able to to hold them out and it just shows how far Benetton have, have come they're no longer that team that you can put 40 or 50 points on which really wasn't that long ago so you know credit to them for coming so far and I think the only big positives for the Scarlets coming away with nothing was to see Lee Halfpenny and Ken Owens back who are two absolutely massive players for the Scarlets and you know having them back is only going to make them stronger moving on from the Bennett and Scarlet game next up we have Stormers versus Edinburgh so what did you think of the game Lewis? yeah um, it was Stormers 34 Edinburgh 18 another bonus point win for the Stormers and a really good start to the season for them as well um, Edinburgh actually started the stronger team they went 10-0 up after 30 minutes so they were looking pretty solid the Stormers try right on half time put them right back into the game and from there for me the Stormers looked the stronger team throughout the game and that intercept try in the second half for me was the one try that killed the game for Edinburgh uh, one of the players I was really impressed with was Dweber on his first start and that's the Stormers hooker and he is absolutely massive scored a great try off the back of a rolling mall and I think anyone will struggle to stop him this season when he's starting so uh, a really good debut for him and like I said I think I think most teams will struggle to stop him if he's if the Stormers can put him in that position again game that didn't run away with the points was the Dragons versus Sharks very close game what were your thoughts yeah uh, dragons 19 sharks 20 and certainly the first half made it a very boring game uh, there were no tries in the first half the dragons led the sharks 12 points to six and for me i think the most disappointing thing for the dragons will be that they threw away a 19-6 lead to go and lose the game they did get a losing bonus point out of it which is an advantage against one of the south african teams however i think i think they will have expected to win that game with the position they were able to put themselves in they scored a really good try from a mall in the start of the second half and the sharks only actually took the lead in the game with four minutes to go which showed shows how long the dragons were able to hold their lead for and i think it'll be It'll be quite heartbreaking for them to lose that one at home. And finally in the URC games this weekend, we had Ospreys versus Glasgow. That one finished 32 points to 17. Jimmy, what did you think of that one? I think it could have been a better game. Uh, I think that you had a very slow start. The first half was 
quite slow, especially whenever you had the disallowed tries um, on either side of the field. It slowed it right down and sort of brought the morale down a wee bit in the stadium, I felt, which affected the players. I must say, it was fair to do that they should have been disallowed. Um, whenever it comes to standout players, I have to say about Keelan Giles. I mean, just, I literally wrote down in my notes, just boom, the legs on that lad. He just ran and ran that whole game, getting two tries and putting Osprey just leagues above a Glasgow. Um, it really only kicked off in about the last 15 minutes of the second half. Um, and I must say, uh, fair play the Ospreys for coming back in such a way especially whenever he had such a close game uh, last week whenever they were only beaten by uh, one point I think it was uh, last week and of course it was their first win um, whenever it comes to Glasgow I mean they did, ju they did just play average there was nothing really stand out about them that I could see. Um, their tries were well taken and they did get their points well. But I think Osprey were just that bit above them and were able to capitalise on any mistakes that happened or uh, any sort of physical battles they won them. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought the Ospreys certainly outplayed Glasgow. And like you say, I think Keelan Giles, absolutely my man of the match. What a step for that first try and a finish right in the corner. A really, really difficult finish. And then, like you say, Jimmy, the legs for that second try to get to that ball was unbelievable. And what a kick from Reese Webb as well. He just seemed to know that Keelan Giles was out there and you could see as soon as the ball left his foot, he was looking over his shoulder to make sure that Keelan Giles was on his bike. And he was, and, and once he was, there was nobody beating him to that ball. He made sure of that. And of course later in the game we saw George North score a good try as well. And I think that's something for the Ospreys that they can use throughout the season. They have two really dangerous wingers. A proven Welsh international in George North. And of course we've seen how well Giles has started the season. So if they can really get the ball wide to those two players, they are going to cause some teams a lot of damage this year. And... You know, the fact that Glasgow got their first try on the 79th minute and their second try and their last one on the 82nd minute, you know, that's far too little, too late for Glasgow. And, you know, from that position, they're never going to be able to go on and get anything out of the game. Even a losing bonus point, it was just too far gone. So, three games into the season, tables starting to take some shape. Uh, you have the big boys at the top and the small boys at the bottom. Um, top of the table what are your thoughts on it sort of how it's starting to shape up yeah I actually think it's probably what most people would expect come uh, the end of the season Leinster obviously sitting top as per usual three of the four South African teams in the top five you have the Bulls sitting in second the Stormers in fourth despite only playing two games and the Sharks in fifth as well only playing two games Ulster of course sitting in third so I think the top five is pretty much what you'd expect it to be. 
the obvious thing to say is that the Stormers and the Sharks have only played two games. Um, you know, they have a game to catch up on and they'll be playing each other. So, you know, they've had a really impressive start in their first two rounds. I think the team that I'm surprised to see so high early on is Benetton. With three games gone and they've got nine points. Um, two wins, both against Glasgow in round one and the Scarlets in round three. Obviously a disappointing defeat against Leinster, but I think they'll be really happy with their start to be sitting on nine points, level with the Sharks, the Lions and the Ospreys. Yeah, uh, you know, Leinster's a game that they would expect to lose, most likely. They're obviously going to go out and throw their best, and uh, they did get dominated in it, but the other, their other two games, they've shown a level that I don't think they showed last season. They've been the better team, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, going in and playing to the standard that they have, it's showing that they're they're doing something right. Uh, and I know it's early on, but to be that far up and uh, sort of challenging on points for the bigger teams, um, it's it's a big step up. You know, Linster, it's obvious you're going to expect them high up, same with the South Africans, I think that the real change that's going to happen at the top is between Stormers and Sharks whenever that game's played um, is it going to be that the Stormers win and then get a bonus point and go top is it going to be that the Sharks win and get a bonus point and draw on points with Leinster and Bulls that's sort of the question that you ask on it um, but talked about the top, gotta talk about the bottom bit of a shock but also not a shock I guess um, I think a big shock on Connacht's perspective, I don't think they will have expected to be three games in and have zero points they will have expected to get at least a couple of losing bonus points out of, out of the first three games so for me it's really hard to see any way back for, for Connacht, you know they've been really poor defensively on points difference sitting on minus 63 which just shows how many points they've conceded compared to compared to how many they've scored and they have had a tough start obviously coming away to Ulster at the Kingspan um, and then travelling to South Africa as well you know it is quite a tough start but it's far below their standards they'll never have expected to be in this position after three games um, also at the bottom, I think the Scarlets will be really disappointed with the one draw and two losses. Um, no wins yet for them. So I think that's something they'll be really disappointed with. They've got so many big internationals. We touched on it earlier. Lee Halfpenny's back. Ken Owens is back. We've seen Jonathan Davies playing. Gareth Davies as well in the back line. So I think they'll be quite disappointed with where they're sitting on the table. But I think they have shown signs of real good attacking moves, so we could see them rising up the table. I doubt they'll be down there come the end of the season. And the one other team that stood out for me, of course, Munster. Um, you know, just the one win there against Zebra and two defeats. And for a team like Munster, who is trying to challenge for titles, you know, they, they want to be challenging for the Heineken Cup. They want to be challenging for the league. And 
to be sitting on just six points after three games and three games they'll probably have expected to win I think they'll be really disappointed with our start as well Do you, would you agree? yeah especially whenever you see how well the teams at the top of the table have been doing uh, across these games and whenever Munster's supposed to be up there with them I think that it it doesn't bode well for them but you do see it sometimes some bigger teams can have a slow start and then just pick it up towards the end of the season end up finishing in quite a good spot Uh, but I mean in my opinion they're obviously out of the title race already I know it's been three games but whenever you look at the sides here at the top and the dominant play that they've been doing I don't see them challenging this year. I wouldn't quite say they're out of the title race to be honest um, you know they're on six, Len- Leinster's on 14 you know they're they're only really eight points behind and when you think of the amount of internationals to go away for teams like Leinster over the uh, November internationals again over the six nations and you know Munster will maybe hope to pick up a few points there where other teams might not um, I personally don't think they're going to win the title either however by the end of the season I probably would expect them to be up there at least in the top six finally a look ahead to next week's game for Ulster it is Ulster versus Ospreys I will say that Osprey have been looking pretty decent especially this week um, they had a good match they had a good game seemed very physical obviously the man to look out for is Keelan Giles the wonder winger uh, he burst through the lines a couple of times this week and I think that whenever you've seen probably the best way to put it is the sloppiness or unpreparedness of Ulster this week uh, he could cause problems what, were your, or what are your thoughts on the upcoming game now? I think it's a must win game now for Ulster um, obviously their their first defeat of the season like we said and a rare defeat at home so Ulster expect to win every game at home no matter who they're playing You know that's just the quality of the squad they have now and for me it's an absolute must win game you cannot lose two on the bounce at home and expect to be challenging the big teams for the title. I think they'll be looking for a bonus point win. They'll be looking for um, a huge response from that Leinster game. I think for me they're going to have to look out for the wingers as you were saying. Keelan Giles on one wing. You're probably going to see George North on the other wing. And Ulster are going to be without Jacob Stockdale. Robert Balakins on the Ireland tour and um, Ethan McElroy as well is on the emerging Ireland tour so are we going to see Aaron Sexton again is Ben Moxon going to get a rare start is Rod Little going to come back into the wing I'm not too sure and I think it's something Dan McFarland's going to have to think about uh, quite thoroughly because he's going to have to do a lot to make sure his wingers are able to contain Giles and North because we saw how dangerous they can be and it'll be key to Ulster's defence at the weekend especially when they conceded so many tries against Scarlets in round two 
and then of course the two tries against Leinster one of them coming out wide so hopefully Ulster can figure out a way to stop those two I am predicting an Ulster win and predicting a bonus point win I think we'll see a huge response especially because they've lost at home and um, fingers crossed for a good victory so that is it for this weekend's episode of Ravenhill Roundup Hope you enjoyed. Like we say, we're both very new to this, uh, trying to get used to the setup, and um, and we're hoping to get the fans involved as much as possible. Please give us a follow on Instagram at Ravenhill underscore Roundup. You can follow us on SoundCloud as well at Ravenhill Roundup. Uh, please get involved. Like I said, leave your comments under Instagram or SoundCloud. If you want us to discuss anything, or if you want to get involved and come on the podcast for a discussion, we'll be happy to have you on. Um, And thank you very much for listening. We will see you next week.